Hello and welcome to another episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. This week, we're concluding the Pablo Escobar trilogy. I know you're going to love this one because this story has a little bit of everything. There's drama, romance, there's adventure, and surprising twists and turns. But before we get into it, I wanted to mention that there's only one more week for you to enter the Lizzo contest. All you have to do is post something on your Instagram story about what you love about Big Lash Energy, spread that Big Lash Energy, then you gotta tag Big Lash Podcast and you will be entered to win merch or a ticket to join me and my BLE besties in the fourth row beside the stage at the Lizzo concert on November 7th. The ticket itself is worth $375, but the experience is going to be priceless. I want you to twerk along with me, so make your entry as fun and creative as possible, and we'll be announcing the winners on September 21st. Now show me what you got. Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins learning from our losses and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favourite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. So where were we? Oh yes, we were in Mexico. Arriba! The Mayan Riviera with palm trees, turquoise waters, white sand beaches, stray cats, cockroach infested motels and me. Last week, we left off with little baby Jaina needing to make a very big girl decision. As a quick recap, I'd called off my wedding after finding out that I'd been cheated on, ran away to Mexico only two days later, started dating a drug dealer, moved to a shitty motel on top of a strip club that would have surely received a zero-star review if that were a thing back then. Then I was asked to hold on to my boyfriend's drug supply so he wouldn't use it, and just as I was deciding what I should do... My ex-fiancé showed up at my work with his cousin. The two of them had driven all the way from Canada to see me. My ex asked me to marry him right then and there on the beach, and that's where we pick up today. Marry me now, on the beach, and we can drive home together. I promise after all of this, I'll never, ever do anything to risk losing you ever again. Chris squeezed one of my arms and lifted the ring a little bit higher. So, will you marry me? I gulped. Was this what I was hoping for? For him to come to his senses and want me back? He'd embarrass the shit out of me when he cheated. All of my friends and family already thought that I was too young to be getting married at the time, and I loved proving people wrong, but he made me look like an asshole. He was the reason my family lost all of our deposits on the wedding, and even before that, he had anger issues and didn't get along with my mom and dad. At the time, I thought that despite how he treated me back then, he must really love me if he'd driven this far and put everything on the line for the chance of getting back together. I thought about my mom and how she'd hate seeing me come back with this guy, but she also had no idea what I was being faced with there in Mexico. She hated Chris so much, but I knew she'd hate me being in a Mexican prison even more. It was time to put on my big girl pants. I said, I'll come home with you. I don't know if I want to marry you yet. We have a lot to talk about. And there's someone that I have to say goodbye to first. Chris looked defeated, but slightly optimistic. I guess he thought that he could change my mind on the very long drive home. I told Chris and Dan that I'd meet up with them later that evening, and I hopped into a taxi. The entire ride, I was playing over what I was going to say to Flavio. I didn't want to hurt him, but I knew that this was all probably a sign that it was time for me to go back to Canada. 
I pulled up to the motel, went upstairs, and found him taking a nap. I crawled under the bed and laid down beside him. I ran my fingers through his long hair, and it woke him up. He was surprised to see me. Mia Moore! I said, hi. What's wrong? He could tell on my face that something was going on. I said, we have to talk. He sat up in the bed, because he could tell it was serious. I knew I didn't have much time, so I got right to it. I said, remember the guy I told you about, who I was going to marry? See? He drove here to come get me. He's here right now. Okay, I understand. I said, I realize that whether we break up today or six months from now, it has to happen eventually. Our age differences and I live in Canada. I can't live here forever. So I think I'm going to have to go back with him. He was silent for a moment and then he said, As a man, I can say that if he's going to drive a car all the way here for you, then he deserves another chance. And who am I to stand in his way? Just remember, you're the one leaving, but I'll always be here for you. I said, I love you. And he said, No, you don't, but it's okay. Then we hugged, I cried, he held me tighter, and I kissed him goodbye. Then I went back to the hotel to find Roberto Pareschi. I needed to quit my job and get the last of my pay, but Roberto was not impressed with me. I wasn't giving him any notice. I was telling him that I was leaving that day. I made up a very unbelievable lie that my family needed me right away, and he said, Well, I hope it's serious, because you're never going to be able to work here again. Was that really a threat? Because at less than $1 an hour and the ridiculously long work hours, I don't think that I was going to miss being there. He said, as of right now, you're no longer an employee of Eva Resorts, but it takes 24 hours to clear your passport and paperwork. So come back tomorrow and we'll give you your documents and your final pay. I agreed and went to meet up with Chris and Dan. Once I gave them the news, they were kind of excited. They said, okay, well, that means we have one night to party in Mexico. We hopped in their car and drove to Cancun where we knew the good nightclubs were. We booked what was probably a two-star motel just outside of the tourist area and got ready for a night out. I'd been working such long hours at the resort that I hadn't had the chance to party yet. Well, of course, I partied in the resort with the guests, but nothing like big or exciting. And now that I think of it, I hadn't partied really much in general because I was so young. So when we walked into Coco Bongos with those unlimited drink wristbands, my mind was blown. There were people dancing on all levels, all the way up the walls, lip syncing performances, confetti and balloons falling from the sky. It was like another world. Has music ever been your therapist before? That's exactly what happened to me that night. It's like nothing else mattered. I was taken away by the music, dancing all my stress away. So I really didn't realize how much Chris and Dan had been drinking. After a while, Chris grabbed me by the wrist, which surprised me. And he said, come on, we're leaving. I followed him through the very, very busy crowd to outside of the club. Well, he and Dan had met two locals who told them that there was somewhere better for us to party. I was annoyed because I loved where we were, but I followed them anyways. Dan had also met a local girl who seemed to be pretending she didn't know English and she was hanging all over him. The two Mexicans led us to a club that was completely closed and I was annoyed. What the hell are we doing at a club that's not even open? Then they showed us that they had the keys. I guess that they were maybe the bartenders there? They unlocked the door, invited us in, and locked the door behind us. Then they went to the bar, opened up the cupboard, and showed us that we could have anything we wanted for free. They put on some music, brought four bottles of alcohol out and some glasses, put them on the table, and started to pour. 
As the night progressed, I realized that Dan and his new friend had disappeared, and now Chris was so drunk, he couldn't even stand anymore. So he was slumped over in a stool with his head on a table, and I was left with the two bartenders. Great. One of them asked me, Do you like the music? And I said, Yeah, it's fine. I tried waking up Chris because this was so terribly awkward for me, but he was out cold. Then the bartender started to dance with me. It was strangely aggressive, and they had me walking backwards in order to get away from them. Eventually, I was backed up against the wall with one bartender rubbing his hard dick all over my leg and the other one trying to put his hand up my skirt. I panicked and elbowed both of them in the chest, then ran to Chris. You have to wake up. We need to leave this place. I really didn't want to know what was going to happen to me if he didn't wake up. Chris picked his head up from the table and I used all my strength to help him stand up. He leaned all his weight on me and we made our way to the car. Halfway there, he realized we were missing Dan and I said, don't worry about him. He's probably having a good time in a much nicer hotel with that girl he met. I found my way back to our motel, helped carry Chris's drunk, stupid ass to the bed and we passed out. I jumped up out of the bed as soon as I realized that the banging was someone at our door. When I opened it, I couldn't believe my eyes. There was Dan. Blood all over his face. What the fuck had happened to him? He said, let's get the hell out of here. I hate Mexico. He'd left that club with the woman that he met, and she told him that she wanted to take him back to her place, so they called a taxi. And all he remembered was that she said something to the taxi driver in Spanish. When he got out of the cab, there were three men waiting with bats. They beat him up, took his wallet, his cash, and his passport, and left him lying there. He woke up on the pavement in the morning the next day with people walking over him. Now, he was absolutely fed up without any way of accessing his money or any identification. He wanted to leave now. We couldn't believe it. Out of respect for what he'd been through, we hurried to back up the room and made our way back to my resort to collect the ID and my money. I went in to see Roberto Pareschi one last time. He didn't say a single word to me. He just handed me the stuff and waved for me to leave. It started to rain as I left the hotel. I counted the cash and I said, okay, I have $220 US, but we're going to need more than that to get home. Now, Dan couldn't help because he'd lost his wallet, but Colin had some money in his account and I had some in savings too. So we found a bank with two ATMs side by side. Chris and I were each trying to access our money. Then, almost like a choreographed dance, we both stepped away from the machines and panicked at the same time. The rain had turned into a storm, which caused the power to go out, and now the machines had eaten both of our bank cards. Now what? Dan said, well, I'm not staying here any longer than I have to. We have your cash. We'll use that to get to the U.S., and then we can try and get some money wired to us once we're there. Let's get the fuck out of here. We hopped in the Honda Civic, did a check of our maps, and started the 6,246-kilometer drive from Playa del Carmen to Canada. The drive was tense, real tense. I mean, some people can't even be in the same nightclub as their ex. So imagine being in a little tiny car with someone who cheated on you. Wait, no. Imagine, imagine being stuck, stuck in a little, little car, car with someone who cheated on you three and a half months before your wedding. Yeah, we argued a lot and it seemed like the weather matched our emotions. It just kept getting worse and worse. Oh my gosh, you cheated on me at the worst time ever, right when I was at the hospital with my sister. Yeah, so I didn't lie about it. I told you, I was honest from the very start. We're supposed to be getting married. Do you know how much money my family Okay, spending? okay, I'll pay them back. Chill out. I will just chill out. Thank you, that's very helpful. You're so dramatic. I'm dramatic? You're the one who moved all the way to Mexico over one simple what? fight. fight? You fucked Zena when I was at the hospital with my sister. What are you 
Slowly, we came to the realization that this was not a normal rainstorm. We had no idea, but we were, in fact, driving right to the middle of Hurricane Isidore. Hurricane Isidore was the first tropical cyclone to hit the area since 1970. The winds got as high as 125 miles per hour and resulted in over 30 inches of rainfall in 36 hours. Over 36,000 homes were absolutely destroyed in the area, 83,000 homes were damaged, and 500,000 people were left homeless. There were 19 deaths recorded because of the storm, and there was us, the three amigos, driving through the Mexican jungle with under $200 just trying to make it home. The water was all around us to the point where we couldn't even see the road. There was a wake behind our car, you know, like like what a boat leaves behind. And the water was seeping inside as well. I was sitting in the back seat with my feet up using a yogurt container to bail water out the window. But when the window was open, the rain would come inside and it all seemed so counterproductive. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. We were putting all our faith in that car. If it broke down, I don't know how we could have survived. People were standing in the streets, crying with water up past their knees, looking at their homes in disbelief. I wanted to help everyone, but there was nothing I could do. I couldn't even really help myself. The storm lasted 36 hours. 36 hours of hell. 36 hours of me praying we would make it out all right. We didn't have enough money for hotels or food, so Dan and Chris each took turns driving or sleeping, and it was my job to stay awake and watch the map Remember those big paper maps? Yeah, there was no GPS back then. And I also had to keep the driver company. But I needed to sleep too. It was a struggle to hold my eyes open. Back home, my mom had no idea Chris had come to Mexico, no idea that I was on my way home or that I was driving through a jungle through a hurricane, nothing. She and my dad both watch my Instagram stories, sometimes I wish they wouldn't, and they pay attention to my social media updates. So now when I travel, it's like they're there with me. But that was not the case here. My mom was probably minding her own business, taking care of my baby brother, doing somebody's nails, completely oblivious to the danger that I was in. After what felt like a lifetime of rainy darkness, we finally made it to the border. We hit Texas just in time because my little $200 had been spent. We were on an empty tank of gas and we still had a very long way to go. Chris reached out to his parents who sent money via Western Union. Thank goodness we collected the cash and decided that it was time to eat some real food. We'd been surviving off of gas station hot dogs the whole trip up to this point. And in fact, at one point we were so low on money, I remember all of us splitting one hot dog. We pulled up to the closest IHOP we could find and ordered what felt like one of everything. As we waited for the food to arrive, I looked around the restaurant. Everyone was staring at us. That's when I snapped out of survival mode and remembered that there was a civilized world outside of fighting for our lives in a hurricane. And now our unshowered, underslept, stinky asses didn't look like we fit in in that world at all. We needed to bathe. The money we'd been sent was enough for gas and a couple of meals, but it certainly wasn't enough for hotel rooms. So we went to a nearby aquatic center and paid to get in so we could use their showers. After freshening up, we got back in our car and continued the journey. 
the real victim in this story has to be Dan. That man came on this trip solely to support his cousin and ended up going through hell. I'm sure now if you asked him, he'd probably say that the hurricane wasn't anywhere near as horrible as having to listen to Chris and I going back and forth and back and forth about who'd let who down and whether or not we were meant to be. It's unfortunate earbuds hadn't been invented back then, you know? (laughs) From Texas, we had to make our way west. We were pinching every penny, driving nonstop, taking turns behind the wheel, navigating using only maps and praying that this now very stinky Honda Civic was going to carry us home. Eventually, we made it to Las Vegas. We knew we couldn't afford anything on the main strip, so we wandered down Fremont Street. It's like the old, old has-been part of Las Vegas. Dan and Chris were thrilled to see that some of the old casinos were selling beer for $1, and they took advantage of them as often as they could. At some part of the day, we found ourselves standing at the entrance of a very rundown strip club with an old lady working at the door who looked like she'd been there rocking that beehive since 1965. She pointed at all of us, and with her grovelly, cigarette-infested voice, she said, Hey! Why don't you guys come in for a good time? We made a joke about being broke and she said, Oh, then you're in luck. Today's amateur day. If you get on stage, you get to keep any of the tips you make. Well then. Dan was for sure the best looking out of the group, but as a guy born and raised in Saskatchewan, his idea of dancing was the knee slap. Chris could dance and he said if it meant that we'd get to eat better on the rest of the trip, he was totally down. Me, on the other hand, well, I thought about it and decided that while I didn't really care about a room full of strangers, I did not really want to take my clothes off on stage in front of my ex-fiance and his cousin. So we passed on the experience. And now looking back on my newfound philosophy that's do it for the story, I really wish we'd done it because wouldn't it have made this story so much better? Okay, maybe that was going to go down as my one and only regret in life. Eventually, we made it to Canada. Wow, I still remember looking out the window to see the familiar landscape, evergreen trees, and that crispy Canadian air. I rolled the window down and breathed it in. I was home. The first place we went once we got back was Kelowna to my mom's house. I knew she'd be home because back then she did nails out of our home. So whether she was off or working, she'd most likely be there. Now remember, she thought I was still in Mexico. So when I walked into her studio, interrupting her and her client, she screamed bloody murder. She threw her tools on the floor and ran to me, hugging me so tight, then very abruptly pushed me away and said, I'm happy to see you, but wow, you smell terrible. I guess that's what happens when you've spent a week in a damp, moldy car with two stinky dudes. When she realized I was there because Chris had brought me home, she was incredibly disappointed. I said, Mom, as soon as I tell you what I was going through in Mexico, trust me, you'll be glad that I'm here, even if it is with him. Fine. I'm glad you're safe, but you're not getting back together with him. Then she said, Jeremy, my little brother, is in the middle of a soccer game right now if you want to go see him. So we drove to the field where he was playing to surprise him. Surprise is an understatement. He was nine at the time and again, not expecting me. I walked up to the field and as soon as he realized that I was the one standing there, he ran right out of his game and tackled me to the ground. We hugged and cried and he said, I missed you so much. It felt so good to be home. It felt so good to feel loved again. So what happened next? 
Well, Chris convinced me that he'd never hurt me again after everything we'd been through. So we planned a very rushed wedding against my parents' wishes. And as you already know, if you've been listening to the show, that marriage ended after four years. But here's the rest of the tea. While I was away, Carly and Seth, the one who'd been in the car accident, broke up. She'd spent six months living in the hospital with him, helping him to adjust to life in a wheelchair. But once he got home, he really wanted to prove to himself that he could still party like he did before the accident. And one night, she popped into a house party he was throwing and walked in on him, sitting in his wheelchair with another girl on his lap. She couldn't believe it, especially not after everything that she'd done for him. She put her whole life on pause to help him in the hospital, even after they'd broken up. So I came up with an idea. I knew someone I thought would be perfect for her. So I asked her, do you think Dan is cute? Oh my gosh, are you kidding? I think he's so cute. So I set her up with Dan, Chris's cousin. They went on their first date together just before our wedding and were so smitten with each other that I barely saw them the week of the wedding. He was the best man and she was the maid of honor. They ended up getting married just after that and are still together to this day with two beautiful kids. So I guess it's just another example of that oh-so-corny but oh-so-true saying that everything happens for a reason. What happened to Flavio? Well, a few months after I'd been home, he sent me an email that said, some of the best moments of my life were spent with you. And he attached a picture that I'd painted for him while I was working in the kids club at the resort. It was the two of us, holding hands, standing on the beach. Over time, we reconnected over Facebook. And in 2016, when I was back in Playa del Carmen doing a wedding, we met up. He introduced me to his girlfriend and we all went salsa dancing. As Oprah would say, it was a very full circle moment. I have to say, it was really cool seeing him again 14 years later. Funny enough, next week I'll be back in Mexico doing another wedding, but this time I'll be in Cabo and I'm really hoping to find a way to bring you along with me. So I'd like to say thank you for joining me on this Mexican adventure. It's been so much fun reliving it with you. Wow, those were some crazy times and I wouldn't take back any of it. Well, I mean, minus the part where I didn't strip in Las Vegas. (laughs) If you love this story as much as I love telling it, could you pretty please share it with a friend? I hear every time you do an amateur stripping on Fremont Street gets a really great tip. (laughs) It's true. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, I always really appreciate when you subscribe or follow on whichever app you're listening to and make sure you get your entrance in for the Lizzo concert. I really don't want you to miss out on that. Now, until we talk next week, por favor, go be your most fabulous self and don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy everywhere you go. Adios.
come close, that's why I'm yelling Damn Jaina, would you fit me in if you can? Damn Jaina, I know you the one with the plan Damn Jaina, there's no time to waste Would you make Damn Jaina, could you make me alright now? Damn Jaina, would you fit me in if you can? Damn Jaina, I know you the one with the plan Damn Jaina, there's no time to waste Fit me in if you can. Uh, I know you the one with the plan. Yeah, there's no time to waste. Would you make me up? Could you make me up right now? Suavemente, besame. Que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suavemente, besame. Que quiero sentir tus labios besándome otra vez. Suave, do, 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 suave, do, 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 suave. Oh, ay, Dios mío. <laughs>